Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to the Helmet. Look at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I've got Katie Flower here. I am Chad Parsons, official show of UTHDynasty.com, home to over 250 premium podcasts annually. Things like the film notes, first thing every Monday morning. You're also going to get a ton of draft content once we get there. But uh, those film notes podcasts, I would highly recommend. Uh, I, I watch every play of every game, try to save you many hours of watching every single week. What did you miss? What did you not see during the game? Um, and, and really evaluating a lot of those situations by by watching every game in full. Let's get to it, Katie. We've got a busy week. It's turned into the NBA light in the NFL, uh, making a bunch of trades. I was updating updating databases and things, and it, I, I thought I was pretty clear. You know, 10, 15 minutes before the deadline, I think there were four more moves that I had to go back in and readjust, reassess everything. So let's get to some of the bigger bigger moves here, and I, I think. The pass catchers were were more so than the running backs, and I think one of the more interesting ones is we have a suspended player, which is pretty uncommon, being traded in Mr. Calvin Ridley going over to Jacksonville, and it's a team that's building up for for Trevor Lawrence around him. You've got uh, they overpaid for Christian Kirk uh, by a lot of measures, you know, in free agency this year, but Calvin Ridley looks like a guy that could really help them next year. Where were you or where are you on Calvin Ridley? And does this move the needle going from Atlanta where they drafted over the top of him a couple times with Pitts in London versus now going to Jacksonville? And maybe that wide receiver one role is, is pretty open for him next year. You know, it's funny because even before hearing this news and I know it's dynasty, but I had completely forgotten about Calvin Ridley. Like I've, everybody has Deshaun Watson on their radar for when is he coming back from suspension? Everybody had DeAndre Hopkins on their radar, but I really literally completely forgot about him. I think it's an interesting move. I think that uh, it's, it's good for Jacksonville if he can show up and is in good shape to play and everything. Uh, I think that that would be good. I've not been all that interested in him, A, because of, as you mentioned, his age he's probably going to go for more than what most people would want to pay for that age wide receiver, someone that hasn't played in over a year, almost two years. Right. Wasn't it? He missed. Well, yeah. He played, yeah. He played part of part of the year and it wasn't well, you know, it was, Oh my goodness. He can't, uh, you know, he, where he needs his Batman because he's a Robin. It was kind of the feel of it last time he played. Right. And so with those, I, I think that the news is going to, Give him a little bit of a spike, but depending on what the price is, I'm not really all that interested. Yeah, it seems too pricey. I'm looking here. He, he's in the kind of zone of Cortland Sutton or Rashad Bateman, Michael Thomas, Jacoby Myers. Like I have a lot more confidence in where do we sit with those players of what do you have talent wise? I think it's been a while. And I think the cautionary tale with guys like Allen Robinson and a few others is if they go you know, more than a full season, whether it's a couple of years of injuries we saw with Michael Thomas or just it's a huge variable of what you're going to have coming back. And so you got to be really careful. And to me, he's just priced a little too high because the assumption that he's going to be a top 15, top 20 guy, I don't think Jacksonville's done 
They have Christian Kirk locked up, and they're going to add, whether that's a tight end if they let go of Evan Ingram or if that's another wide receiver. So, so yeah, I think I think Ridley's a big unknown, but you're saying if he's an unknown, but he's priced at like wide receiver 40 or something, it's a bit rich considering yeah. how deep the position is right now. Um, the yeah. other one is Chase Claypool. So Claypool exiting a stacked up chart. They drafted over the top there. Uh, and George Pickens producing well early on looks the part of someone who can be a wide receiver one, two on a depth chart. And now he goes over to Chicago. A lot of questions, but pretty open depth chart. Certainly greener pastures in terms of potential market share there. But Justin Fields, what do we have with him? So what are your thoughts on Claypool, who's flashed a lot during his career, but never quite put it together? I think it's interesting uh, on a lot of different levels. Pittsburgh has done a fairly good job through the years of identifying wide receivers and grooming them. And I'm I'm not sure if it's because they have a lot of faith in Deontay Johnson and George Pickens that they felt like, okay, we can still get a second. We can get a linebacker or some defensive help next year with that. And so it made Claypool more expendable. And it's not really that they don't want him that they figured he would bring the most value, I think. And, and so in Chicago, any extra weapons for Justin Fields, I think will help him. He's still holding the ball too long, getting better. And, uh, you know, he's, he's looking better, but he needs to gain that confidence and do it on a consistent basis. Fantasy value wise, he didn't really have a great quarterback situation or a great offensive line situation. Yeah, the key thing for me on on Claypool is price. You know, I, I think the holding on to the two or three big games he had as a rookie and is is still sticking with him in the top 35, 40 for a lot of people. The upside, the oozing potential. I would just remind folks the boom bust profile typically busts. And he is definitely one of those coming out of Notre Dame. He's had some boom moments, but the assumption or if you proclaim or value him like he's going to be a robust wide receiver one in NFL terms and a multi-year guy at that. I think it's a real dangerous ground to go there. Not that Mooney is anything more than a speed bump. If, um, if Claypool plays really well, obviously he controls his own fate, but I just think that Claypool is one that can easily suck you in and suck you in for more time than you probably should validate. And I really think that the Steelers had to make this move because they got a bigger return than they paid for Claypool. So they got some rookie contract time and now they get to exit on a guy that they've seen for a couple of years. The other part is also Calvin Austin drafted in the fourth round. He's been hurt so far. I think he's going to come right in there and probably be a different look. Obviously, he's a subsized player. But they have a really strong, you know, one-two combo, and and Austin now is three, and I, I feel like they're not even going to miss a beat. So getting that pick and, and and cashing out was, in my opinion, a no-brainer for the Steelers. Uh, T.J. Hawkinson is the other notable uh, move here of the pass catchers. So he goes over to to Minnesota. Irv Smith is going to be out for a while. Um, what's your big takeaway here for Hawkinson being moved for a fraction of what the Lions paid, and then you know obviously Irv Smith still being on that team. That's a big demerit for him that he he's always been more sizzle or projection than actual production so far. Yeah, I think it was a great move for Minnesota, the the football team. I think that Kirk Cousins is fully capable of supporting. Uh, you know, I think Thielen is pretty much washed for the most part. Uh, so to have him as basically wide receiver too, that could be interesting. I think he's going to, be more of some games yes some games no uh 
rather than a consistent target threat. But I'm not 100% sure. I think it's interesting. He's on a better team and they'll have better game script, I think. Oscillated quite a bit on Hawkinson over the years of look at this, you know, early production and he's got the elite pedigree, but you haven't really seen him look like that top two, top three crasher at the position, you know, really have a dominant profile of, oh, he's going to lap the position like a Kelsey, like a Kittle, like we've seen these dominant players. And that's where I I sit of, you know, if he's going to sit there and have a few more top 12 finishes, does that not in two tight end, but in stock formats, especially, does that mean a ton? You know, does that like, oh, I finished it tight end seven, tight end 10 and tight end nine the last three years. What do you want a cookie? Like, is that, is that great? Because, because let's be fair. You can stream a few different options and not be very far behind if at all. I mean, if you have Hawkinson and you're going up against Tyler Conklin this year, where do you sit? You know? And so I I think you got to be careful of like, oh, well, he's tied in five for me in Dynasty. Well, is that closer to tight end two or is it closer to tight end 15? So be really careful with that. And I just think that now paired with Justin Jefferson for the long haul or forever, whatever his duration is, Thielen's still there. Dalvin Cook's still there. Irv Smith, when he gets back, that'll be more of a 2023 thing. I think that's a lot of competition for targets. So I think this is good NFL wise, but I just I question if he's going to be more than a lower end tight end one. And I would say be careful how much you value and pay that because he's one that I mean, I'd be more comfortable with the upside of Dallas Goddard, for example, within the scope of that offense. I'd be more comfortable, um, you know, with George Kittle, who's in the same zone. And and then you start talking about, well, if Hawkinson is worth more than Fryermuth and Schultz and Waller when he hits back, heck, maybe even Greg Dolchich, like you gotta be really careful about what that plus is and depending on the format. Uh, running backs, we had a laundry list. Um, and you know what? All this is pretty minor stuff. You know, Jeff Wilson over to Miami. Then you get Chase Edmonds. He's whiplashing over to Denver. You got Naheem Hines going to Buffalo, Zach Moss to Indy. Um, what kind of stands out there? Or is this more like injury away, you know, more of the macro? If this happens, then it kind of matters situations because we're not really talking about starters being moved. The one that I find the most interesting uh, I don't think that Zach Moss was all that coveted in Buffalo. I And I think that he was probably just for depth to go along with the pick. Uh, but I think they really like Deion Jackson, and I'm very interested to see him as the the backup. You got Taylor is, is uh, didn't practice again. I think it was yesterday or limited practice, and he's banged up right now. Deion Jackson has had a couple big games and looks like he – could be that guy. And so I'm very interested to see how that shakes out. And the other one is the one that didn't happen. I got faked out. I don't remember who I saw on Twitter. I thought it was Adam Schefter, but I I was reading really fast. But um, Montgomery, David Montgomery to the Rams, I thought that was a done deal. But then somebody told me, no, that's just a rumor or that was a possibility. I find that interesting. I know that Akers has probably seen his last snap in LA, even though they kept him and they're not trading him, he won't play at all this year and where he goes, who knows. But the fact that the bears were willing to let go of Montgomery, um, I know that they're trying to build pieces, but uh, clearly they're not building around him or at least, I mean, if he was rumored, there's got to be a little bit of smoke to that fire. 
Yeah, they. I mean, everything you've heard and and seen on it, honestly, because it's turned into more of a committee. Is they like Khalil Herbert, and so that is a closer one two than David Montgomery stands want to admit or acknowledge. And Montgomery is a good one because it seems like he's undervalued in dynasty. Like you get to the 24, 25, 26 year old zone. And if you get a guy that's not producing at a high level, maybe in this case, doesn't have a lot of stickiness with his own team, but he's going to go out there, be a three down back, have appeal to be signed or be traded or acquired, change teams and, and be a three down option and a starter. Now, how long does that last? That's up to him and his health and durability and all that stuff. But I think that's the type of profile that all of a sudden they start sagging into the running back 20s. And you're like, well, this is valued around the zone of maybe some backups in the NFL. So you got to be really careful dynasty wise of letting those opportunities go because Ezekiel Elliott is trending into that zone. I think David Montgomery, these like unsexy starters that have been there, done that and produced for multiple seasons. And yet they, you know, all of a sudden it's like, oh, I can just pay a second. Like if you get into your draft, it's like 205. Should you take David Montgomery or, you know, some late day two wide receiver, you know, or some blocked, uh, some blocked running back that you don't really like their profile? Well, David Montgomery, you know, is the answer. Ezekiel Elliott is the answer when you sit there. And so I I think Montgomery is a really good um, now recent example uh, and next example of that type of profile and and making sure you knock on doors because it seems like he's going to be maybe more of a 2023 play considering the committee they have running. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's on another team. All right, let's go. Uh, we're going to go by position, maybe give uh, one per if we, if we have it in this dialogue. And it's something we did a year ago, which is players being held back by their situation. So these are players innately, their profile, what we've seen, their potential. We think there's more here than what their team situation usage, etc., is providing at, at current. Uh, Katie, do you have a wide receiver as we sit midseason here? Uh, uh, so, excuse me, a quarterback that is being held uh, held back by their situation, coaching, uh, weapons around them, anything where you say there's more here. They may not be great, or maybe they're good, but they could be great. I was thinking about this, and even though he's older, I think Aaron Rodgers is being held back by his situation right now, and they didn't help him out at all on the trade deadline, and there were some wide receivers on the market. So it was basically Green Bay either saying, we're happy with who we've got, you better be happy too, or we know that you're done after this season, so we don't really care what you want kind of thing. Yeah, it's amazing. I listened to some Milwaukee sports talk and all of it is, hey, don't be surprised. They never make moves. Don't be surprised. They don't make moves. And yet they were sitting here and be like, oh, we were in on Chase Claypool. Yeah, you probably offered a fifth. So you're not really in uh, by being aggressive or anything like that. So the whole we develop from inside is a mantra there that they live by. That is written in stone there up in Green Bay. Um, I'm going to go with one that I'll tell you, Katie, I might be... Now, I don't like his price. I don't like his dynasty market value, but I'm saying I have not totally written him off yet, is Justin Fields. I think he's gotten a really raw deal. He has the rushing upside to like almost lead the NFL at the position in rushing, you know, if the stars align. If he just, you know, and we've seen it. We've seen seen strong games from him. They just acquired Chase Claypool. Darnell Mooney, eh, he's okay. Cole Komet, I mean, but they're throwing like 20 times a game. So something's got to give. I think he's going to get a relative pass and get next year to start. I don't think it's all on him and they're completely over him and they're going to draft a first rounder this coming year. And I'm looking at some of the things that I track. 
He was horrible last year, but he's better this year. He's improving and he comes out of the Ohio State system. I know that comes with a moniker and a demerit, but I haven't given up hope. I've given up hope on Zach Wilson. Like uh, I've seen enough from him. Mac Jones really, really scares me, for example. But Justin Fields, I'm holding out some hope. I don't think it's a high probability, but I see some just, you know, uh, Jalen Hurts, you know, you surround him with weapons. Obviously, it's not going to get to the Eagles level by next year for Chicago, but they have a ton of cap. And I just think he's going to get surrounded more in future uh, the next year or so. And we're going to get a better opportunity and the elite rushing upside. He's got a pathway to producing a lot more. I'm still not buying because I'm below the consensus on him, but I, I think he's really being handcuffed by what he has. All right. What do you think about running backs, Katie? Anyone being held back by their current situation? I think Antonio Gibson is being held back by a situation. And for what it, I, I'm not sure if it's the coach, the manager, or who or what, but that guy is versatile, has shown it, and he's being held back. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, despite being a really great team, I'm going to say Miles Sanders. Um, he's one that they play Kenny, Kenny Gainwell way too much. Like it's, it's really annoying. And then obviously they're more of a pass centric team. They're 30th in running back targets. So that's really annoying for a guy that we've seen him split out. We've seen him run deep routes. There's a lot of positives with Miles Sanders. And we mentioned David Montgomery, you know, already in this show, but uh, Miles Sanders is one. I'm kind of excited to see him go to another team, change of scenery, uh, be a true foundational back and have that potential now in his mid twenties where we haven't, you know, it's been a lot of teasing. It's been a lot of flashes, a lot of moments, a lot of singular games that haven't turned into a run of half a season uh, of a featured work for Miles Sanders. So he's one that I just feel like he's producing all right. I, you know, you plug him in probably a decent amount as you're running back too, but I just feel like he has a much greater ceiling as we go through here. All right. What do you think about wide receiver, Katie? I can't think of anybody. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, What's interesting is I would have said DJ Moore if we recorded this show two or three weeks ago, but PJ Walker, he likes himself some DJ Moore. So things have been improving from that front. And you know what? We didn't know if DJ Moore was going to get traded. The answer to that was no. And so I think DJ Moore is someone that that was the answer. That's not the answer right now. Um, so so that's one of them that I would have said. Um, otherwise, I would say it was unfortunate. I was rooting for Brandon Cooks to get moved. You know, I think there was rumor, maybe Dallas, maybe one of these other contending teams. I know that might not have helped his market share because he can dominate there in Houston. And he's actually, I think, got a pretty good uh, fantasy schedule when you kind of look at the playoffs and kind of out for the rest of the year. But, you know, you, you pair him with a better quarterback and we've seen him at moments with strong quarterbacks in his career. Pretty exciting stuff. So he's one I still hold out hopes. Obviously, he's not happy there in Houston. They're going nowhere. Um, but you know what? Stronger quarterback maybe next year. Um, and even if he stays there, um, I think there's some some good potential. Uh, what do you think about tight end closing out here? Uh, Kyle Pitts. I think that's pretty <laughs> obvious. Mariota doesn't throw enough each yeah. game. And yeah, he did have a good game this past week, but it's not consistent. Yeah. And, and, and for having London and Pitts, you pretty much need a top 12, top 15 quarterback to fuel both of their productions to the requisite level that we think both can play at. Um, yeah, I think I think Pitts is a really good one. You know, I'll say this. What if George Kittle were on a team that didn't care about him blocking quite as much as the 49ers do? Like, yeah. would he be right there with Andrews, with Kelsey, 
like, and maybe over them as a receiving centric option. He blocks so much. You watch these games. He loves to block. He comes from Iowa for goodness sake. Like it was blocking first as it is with tight ends at that school. And I just wonder how would we view him here? He has a number one tight end finish in his career yet. He's one that we we've seen him block a ton. It's a team that now has a ton of talent around him in the passing game. He may be that what if player of just bigger volume and it never really perfect storm came together outside of these, these singular games. You know, we remember that, what was it? That huge, like what, almost 200 yards in the playoff game years ago. Was it Alex Smith? Like, anyway, you have these moments, he can do it, but yet he's just going to block so much that it may not matter. All right, uh, Katie, before we get to uh, the best ball contest here for the week, what do you think about some final thoughts halfway through uh, stretch run time for our teams? Uh, I just think it's been crazy. It's been, uh, you got to have those injury away running backs. I think that's going to be the key to the second half. Be careful what you trade for. Don't trade for a substandard running back just to fill a position. It's got to be a dynasty trade. You don't want to hurt your long-term future just for a playoff run. Running backs, any player can get hurt any given moment. I've had teams that you get a running back right before the playoffs and then they get hurt the very next game. So it doesn't really matter. Make sure it's a dynasty move. Yeah, I love that. And, and I think you you mentioned Deion Jackson earlier in the show. And those are the types of players that, you know, they show a little something, something and we feel good. And all of a sudden it might turn into a month and the exact month you need um, late in the season here. And let's all remember the Tim Hightower and Damian Williams stories that that they can come up and percolate. And you took the backup guy when everyone was thinking about the other guy. And all of a sudden it turns into something. And I kind of think about uh, Jacksonville in that case, right? You got your Michael Hasty there. You got Snoop Connor and... If if Travis Etienne were to miss time, both of those guys were off the waiver wire. Uh, you know they may get recycled back to the waiver wire sometime in the next month with bye weeks going on. So you got to keep that in mind. Always check the drops. I think every week I'll I'll make five to ten running back pickups across my leagues that I'm like, oh well, they're better than what I have, and some team just outright dropped them for some reason. So you got to be Hector the collector and collect that garbage from these other teams. Shout out to the winner of the UTH Best Ball Contest fueled by my fantasy league uh, in week eight. That is Joe Baird. Joe Baird took the number one spot overall in the contest by about 50 points. And, and a big reason for that is taking down the contest, going plus 22 over second place in week eight alone, taking it down. Congrats, Joe. He's got Geno Smith. I mean, talk about what a value that was in the contest. He got the big streaming start from Tony Pollard with three touchdowns. Kenneth Walker has been big for him over the past few weeks. Jamal Williams. Didn't see that coming with DeAndre Swift back into the mix, but Swift not fully healthy. Uh, got Lockett, DJ Moore, as we mentioned. Rondell Moore had a big game. Uh, Rogue Variety and Isaiah Likely in relief of Mark Andrews, who didn't play a ton. So a lot of highlights there for Joe Baird. He's got a pretty deep roster in general. So Joe is set up. He's going to be a stark and uh, stiff challenger here for the title this season. He takes first place overall, as I mentioned, over Derek in second and Brian in third. So congrats, guys, uh, with your high marks so far in the contest. Between episodes, check out Katie Flower at FF underscore Skyler 399. I'm at Chad Parsons NFL. Reminder to check us out at UTHDynasty.com, all the premium shows, as well as written content on a weekly basis. Until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties.